Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome back to all our listeners to another episode of the Digital Government Podcast. I am always your host, Federico Plantera. And today we have with us Yuri Koputin, who is the cybersecurity component leader of the EU for Digital Ukraine project. So welcome, Yuri. Hello. So this is your first time in the podcast, but this also means, of course, our listeners will have understood that already, that we are kind of like keeping a certain focus, of course, on Ukraine, what's happening in Ukraine and what we have been doing in Ukraine. Because, of course, uh, we're all aware of the of the war. And that, and that was started indeed by the Russian invasion. And then at the same time, we also know in any case that in the parts of the country where uh, life, let's say, is where you are trying to keep life as normal as possible, let's say, still for how much that could just be viable in such a situation, then in any case, there is the there is a need for digital services, let's say, to, to, to keep working. No? And uh, especially also like when, uh, when it's literally risky to be outside in the street. <laughs> Probably there's no like, more extreme situation than this in that sense. So let's start already in any case. Let, let's start first of all from you. So where are you now, if you can say it, of course, like uh, what are you, what is your situation? Uh, how are you doing? Uh, right now I'm in Ukraine. I'm uh, in uh, Vinitsa today. Previous days I was uh, in Kiev and want to say that uh, uh, in Vinitsa the situation is more safety, safety than in Kiev. In general, situation is better. I saw that uh, magazines works, uh, petrol station works, and this means that in Vinitsa the life is not uh, stable but uh, all working but in kiev the situation is more better there are a lot of attacks bombarding and uh, um it's very hard to work in kiev it's very hard to work in kiev when it all started so like on the 24th of february you know i mean the the, the project there of the eu for digital ukraine continued continued its work in kiev like even uh, I mean, despite the, the warnings that led up then to the day of the action invasion, uh, we sort of like some knew, let's say, at the governmental levels, like at the intelligence levels, that there was going to be an attack. But uh, then how did how did that event affect, let's say, your your work and the project? Meaning, did you stop some activities? Um, what has changed in your like day-to-day -day life, let's say, in the way of managing uh, work and the project? Uh, after war start, the first day we didn't understand what we need to do, the first uh, part of the day. But after that, uh, we start actively working, especially we received a lot of new tasks from government authorities. And uh, I want to say that right now we work uh, near 18 hours a day, every day, uh, no weekends, uh, and um, we realized the traditional task which uh, we need to do according to the project plan, and also we received a lot of additional tasks from Ukrainian government, especially tasks about uh, moving data to another data centers and some other tasks. Some other tasks that are, I mean, are these tasks that maybe one could also see in peace times, or they are really like specific to the emergency extraordinary situation? Some of these tasks realize in uh, 
traditional life, but mostly right now this task we need to do as quick as possible, especially if we talk about migration of data from government registers or uh, make some security settings or procure some equipment so on and right now we need to do this as quick as possible as, especially yesterday i helped the ministry to prepare uh, some changes to legislation especially to the law and under laws and we do these activities in night and during the night yeah i can imagine but can these changes then happen in the meantime i mean like of course there are there are a lot of people who are listening to the podcast who have no idea let's say of what goes on or can go on in a situation like this because of course like while how to say bystanders so to say people who are watching the events unfold let's say they might be affected by it in terms of the how to say the information bombardment that there is and of course i don't know maybe like the doom posting also like and just the, the sheer pressure the sheer pressure of seeing what's happening there let's say then you're actually living it so and there is a country that has to keep working while this is happening for the people who can still access the services and use some of the things so how would you describe this difference a little bit? And I mean, are you actually being able to do those things like at night? I mean, when are you sleeping essentially? I sleep in two or three hours a day. When we, I live in Kiev, it was very hard to sleep because uh, at night we hear a lot of helicopters, airplanes, uh, bombing attack, rockets, and uh, it's not real uh, to sleep. You can try to sleep, but you cannot sleep. And uh, uh, there are a lot of requests. I receive requests from uh, 6 a.m. to 12 p.m. And this means that uh, we need uh, to um, uh, generate uh, some ideas and trying to help to resolve uh, a lot of problems. And Yuri, specifically, uh, as I said, I introduced you as the uh, cybersecurity component leader of the EU for Digital Ukraine project. And uh, you... Mm, being responsible for these uh, cybersecurity tasks, let's say, uh, you with Estonian cyber experts before the war broke out, uh, organized, let's say, some sets of cyber exercises for Ukrainian officials last year. And we're planning also to have more this year. So how is that going in the sense, will that continue now throughout the war? And another question that I would ask you is, any of that thing that you did back then is proving to be extremely useful right now, or maybe it's not that much the moment yet because perhaps the cyber, the cyber and digital battlefield, let's say, have not come into the picture yet that much. About cyber exercises, yes, we provided two ways of cyber exercises before the war, and planning to, and we have a plans to provide four additional waves of the cyber exercises. If we're talking about this period of time, this cyber exercises is a not relevant task because. Uh, all personnel from main cyber security actors in Ukraine are working uh, 24 hours every day. And this means that this task is not relevant right now. But I think when Ukraine will win this war, uh, we will provide these additional ways of the cyber exercises. And these additional ways uh, will help Ukraine to establish more better security level of uh, government authorities. But so now, like anything, anything that you had done 
before, no, in terms of these exercises? I mean, do they have remained exercises or when the fire broke out, actually people knew, let's say, how to get out of the building, to use a metaphor? Um, I think that uh, these uh, cyber exercises helped uh, Ukrainian authorities uh, to um, stop uh, and drop different kind of attacks. Uh, and I think they are very useful. But uh, um, I want to say that real life, real situation uh, generate a new real experience and you need to search uh, the best solutions how to stop, for example, those attack from uh, Russian uh, to Ukrainian uh, websites, I mean government authorities' websites or uh, another kind of attacks and you need to select the best solutions as quick as possible and you don't have any time for uh, selecting the solutions. Yeah, for actually do some like sort of like sandbox uh, training, no? But uh, but in that sense, uh, on this specific topic, and then we move on to uh, something else regarding the EU for Digital Ukraine project. Have you have you noticed anything particularly unusual, let's say, in uh, in the way that maybe cyber attacks or like cyber pressure, if not outright attacks, let's say, have been um, have been conducted against Ukraine? Previously, yes, we have a lot of uh, cyber attacks, uh, and uh, especially if you talk about the war before the war, uh, uh, months before, we have uh, a lot of uh, different cyber attacks for websites of government authorities. Also, um, Russian hackers tried to broke uh, the sites and to change the information. Also, the main problem right now is uh, that... Uh, um, uh, Russian tried to create uh, a fake channels in which uh, they trying to say about capitulation or some different fakes, and uh, it's also a big problem. And uh, we try to block these channels and uh, try to secure uh, the citizens. Okay, and then let's move now to. Um... To what's happening while the war is unf- the war is unfolding. So, for example, uh, we we're aware because we treated this topic already in other podcasts that uh, podcast episodes that there is Tremita, the data exchange platform that is active in Ukraine, and uh, you also worked on that, right? Yes, I'm the main architect of the Tremita system. Perfect. It's a, a much better way to say you also worked on that. <laughs> so yes, the main architect <laughs> of the system. And uh, so in that sense, is it still working? So like at this time, uh, despite the war, despite everything, despite the bomb shelters, and uh, the, is, is Trembita still up and running? Has it had any particular disruptions in that sense? And uh, basically right now, what are the services that people are using? Yes, Trimbita is working right now and work all days uh, uh, from the start of war. Uh, we have some small period in which authorities uh, disabled some services, uh, but it was the first and second day. But after that, uh, all services uh, work fine and all connections established via Trimbita. And I want to say that the uh, previous time... Uh, People received data from registers uh, in mobile application DIA. Also, um, uh, people used the COVID certificates, especially COVID certificates generates uh, 
from uh, National Health Register. And uh, I want to say that Trembita is working and also exchanges are working through Trembita. And at the same time, apart from the services that already exist uh, and existed like before two weeks ago, like are you are you do you actually have plans to launch like other new e-services like at this time? Is that actually happening? I know that my colleagues working on uh, development of uh, some e-services. Uh, this e-services development according to the contracts which are signed before the war. But uh, new services during the war, I don't know. <laughs> they didn't plan. No, exactly. I mean, right uh, <laughs> and definitely, yeah. I mean, right now it would definitely sound a bit strange. Let's say there's a there's a bit more of like a survival need to fulfill, which is exactly the one of staying safe as much as possible and also staying independent as much as possible. I will ask you like something that is about rather about your opinion, no? And it is that, do you think that the war in some way has like, I mean, stopped or slowed down for sure? I mean, I imagine, yes. But uh, do you think that the war has actually undermined a little bit the future, uh, let's say, uh, near future and also distant future of the digital transformation path of Ukraine? So what was happening with this event now has been just has just come to a halt or not it's very hard to say something uh, right now i want to say that in general if we would talk about the world the situation is under control but um, about services i think that all services after the war will work fine and also ukraine will create new additional services uh, which are needed to citizens to business and to all other needs do you think that this path somehow has also brought let's has also undermined the process of the digital transformation mentally because in any case it's something that came a bit in parallel with a transformation of the society as a whole after the facts of Maidan no so like do you think that this somehow has stopped or uh, it's just a pause at the moment I think uh, that uh, nothing will stop uh, Ukraine have a big plans uh, for digital transformation for the next uh, 3 or 5 years and uh, if we talk about all systems all systems plan to be upgraded also Ukrainian government plan to create a lot of uh, new services if uh, we talking about current situation uh, the some tasks are uh, changed and uh, for example uh, authorities create some needed uh, application and uh, needed updates uh, for citizens for the war period but uh, i want to say that in parallel government uh, working on development all services according to the plan if we talk for example about trembita i am a main architect of this system we are um, working right now on development of the personal data protection model for the Trembita system according to the plan. We have some small delays, but uh, I think that uh, it uh, will realize, in general, it will realize timely. And also, right now, we are working on development of uh, Trembita version 2, and uh, all other systems also are working and established according to the plans. But so Trembita 2.0, what is, I mean, so you're, you're talking about like upgrading Trembita essentially. What, what, what does that mean? Trembita version 2 is a new, uh, newer version of the Trembita. This version uh, will be more faster and uh, 
can establish uh, more quick uh, and better connections. Also, in Tribita version 2, we plan to implement some additional security features and um, Trembita as a uh, um, traditional information system need to be upgraded after some time period. That's why we are working uh, on updating uh, the operation system, updating the product, because um, every product can uh, have some vulnerabilities after some time period. That's why. Yeah, so it can, it can become like a little bit obsolete, no? And so it needs upgrading. In terms of things that need upgrading and... Uh, uh, or they might need upgrading, and also protection. Uh, within uh, the EU for Digital Ukraine uh, project, um, we know that the project is also aiming to strengthening, let's say, the safety of the Ukrainian public registers and databases. Could we say anything about it, of how the Ukrainian public registers and databases are doing at the moment? Is everything fine? Uh, everything working as usual? So how, for example, Ukrainian... Ukrainian citizens and officials are using them today. Yes, uh, the government registers right now working fine. I want to say that uh, all operations registered in registers, especially, for example, uh, the facts of the childbirths or uh, the facts of marriage are registered in a civil status X registers. And uh, if we talk about uh, registers in general, right now we are working a lot together with authorities on uh, data transferring, uh, data migration uh, in more secure places. And um, um, I think that uh, registers uh, will work uh, without uh, stopping of uh, their operation. Yuri, what is awaiting next for you today? Just back to work or uh, or something else? Yes, I will uh, work after this meeting. I have uh, near 10 Zooms about different questions. And um, traditionally, we work uh, 18 hours uh, every day. And this means that uh, there is a lot of tasks which we need to resolve. But do you think that in a way that also helps maybe sometimes to take your mind off the situation around a little bit? Yes. Uh, this is my personal curiosity. We read the news and understanding the situation near us and um, and uh, understand where is more safety, where is uh, no safety. and um, But a lot of time we need to work and we didn't have a lot of time to read the news. Oh, no, I perfectly get it. Okay, Yuri, then I will let you go now. But thanks a lot for having joined us today for this episode of the podcast. Thank you for this podcast. But Yuri, the only thing that I can tell you now is to stay safe as much as possible and uh, be well. And uh, of course, uh, Slava Ukraini as well. Thank you and Gerem uh, Slava. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.